This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Sunday or maybe a Monday edition. Depending on where you may be, depending on where you may be listening, but it's New York, New York, with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stremsky, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Hope everybody enjoyed their weekend. Full disclosure, after SNY softball and then playing the Petriti School golf outing, I am more sore today. I can't, like, move around my apartment. I'm waddling like a penguin. I'm more sore after running 13.1 miles, but that's a story for a different day. Look, very eventful weekend. You had some really bad news mixed in with some really good news. And, of course, the bad news is the fact that the New York Rangers are now eliminated from the Stanley Cup postseason. What a run for the Rangers. They lose in six to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lose point blank to a flat-out better team. That was my grand takeaway watching the final four games of this series. That was my grand takeaway watching even game six. Let's be honest with game six. I know it was a 2-1 to score. That game should have been 5-1 or 6-1 Tampa with the way the Rangers were thoroughly outplayed on the 5-on-5. Now, look, 
you were provided a sense of false hope. Igor Shesterkin is making some unbelievable saves. Yeah, it was a little bit of a soft goal from Stamkos, but is it something to be, you know, fair about when it comes to Shesterkin saying, hey, you can give up a softy if you're going to stop about four or five breakaway chances that easily could have been goals? Igor is entitled to that. When Vetrano scores to tie the game, you're saying, holy smokes, how are the Rangers in this thing, for goodness sakes? They're getting so outplayed, they got no business being tied. And you could not even enjoy that Vetrano save for about a minute. And then, boom, the, the lightning come right down. They have the two-on-one. Stamkos ends up scoring the cheapie, and that ends up being the difference in the game. It reminded me a lot of the DJ LeMayu home run in the ninth inning of Game 6 in 2019 against Osuna, where you're, like, so high, you're so amped, and then immediately your heart's broken. That year was the Altuve homer. This year it's the Steven Stamkos goal. Look, the Rangers did not generate enough offense. I know being up 2-0 is a bitter pill to swallow, and I fully expect that most Ranger fans still are not thrilled about the fact that the Stanley Cup final is going to continue and your team's not going to be a part of it. But let's put some things into perspective, okay? This team exceeded expectations all year. This team was a joy to watch. Their young players got better. Their star players certainly emerged, whether it's Kreider, all the goals he scored, Zibanejad and Panarin giving you terrific years. Shesterkin showing you that he's probably the netminder for the next decade. Fox and what he was able to follow up from a year ago. Lot to like. You throw in the fact that they were down 3-1 to one and 3-2 to two in respective series, and they came back to win. Then you add on the fact that they won tw- or they played 20 playoff games over the course of the last couple of weeks. That is invaluable experience for this team. And I am a subscriber, and I am a believer that normally you have to have a pitfall or two as a group in the postseason before you reach the top of the mountain. doesn't always happen in sports, but in many instances, you can find examples over the years. You know, you think about Michael Jordan and all of his greatness. To me, in my lifetime, it's not even close. He's the best basketball player who's ever lived. He had to go through the Pistons. And the idea that he could not get over the hump against the Pistons, then he finally beat them. Tampa Bay might be that team for the Rangers. You hope it's only a one-year offshoot. We might be talking about Tampa Bay winning three straight Stanley Cups. They're a machine. Vasilevsky, all the, the firepower, the unbelievable defense, the adjustments they made. Tampa Bay showed you why they're two-time Stanley Cup champs. Use this and grow from it from a Rangers perspective. Some of you aren't going to be able to do this, but the year is a resounding, resounding success. Tough way to go out, bitter pill to swallow, but make no mistake, the better team won. There's no getting around that. And hats off to the Tampa Bay Lightning and really hats off to the New York Rangers who made the city proud. And we had a lot of fun over these last couple weeks doing the Spotify Lives, the passion, the enthusiasm from the hockey fan on our platform was so cool to see. Obviously, we don't do a ton of regular season hockey, but for the hockey fan out there, I think it shows you here on New York, New York, big story in town, we know what we're doing here, okay? I know some others may not know what they're doing. We, as a team, as a collective unit, we know what we're doing. I'll leave it at that. Now, you want something to feel good about? How about the state of New York freaking baseball. And before I, you know, start pounding my chest and I start waxing poetic about the New York Yankees, I do want to throw a disclaimer in about the weekend as a whole. The Chicago Cubs suck, okay? They are a terrible baseball team. 
they're going to lose north of 90 games this year. I have no idea what they were thinking in their offseason with half-hearted moves trying to contend. Team stinks. And the Yankees did exactly what they were supposed to do, especially on Saturday and Sunday, just beating the absolute living daylights out of this team. Fantastic, fantastic weekend. But the Yankees showed you on Friday, hey, ugly game, unable to capitalize on chances, hang around, hang around, hang around. What happens? Trevino ends up being a walk-off hero. And you get great work out of the Yankee bullpen. Saturday and Sunday, it's about the Yankee bats just pounding the Cubs in a submission. Saturday, it's Aaron Judge. The ball stand hit has got to be one of the hardest and scariest home runs I think I've ever seen watching a game because it was like a, it was a rocket. Like we saw the moonshots last year at Fenway Park. We were there for that. But this was like a line drive. This was like a five iron, boom, right off the facade of the second deck. Rizzo had good at bats. Even Joey Gallo had some decent at bats. And then you get the Carpenter. How about Matt Carpenter? The guy doesn't play for a freaking week because everybody comes back for the Yankees. Stanton is back. Donaldson is back. You know, there's not at bats to go around for Matty Stash. Well, they put Matty Stash in the lineup. Boom, he hits a three-run homer. He's knocking in, what, seven RBIs on the day? It's ridiculous. And it's tough to complain in Yankee land when you're 44 and 16 on the air. But I think there are at-bats to be had for a guy like Carpenter who has fit in, has fit the Yankees like an absolute glove. He hits two home runs. He's got six on the year. Pretty outrageous what he's been able to do. And what a find by Brian Cashman. Winning player. He's got that sort of it factor that you want on this Yankee team. The Yankee run differential, folks, is at plus 127 on the year. Plus 127 on the year. Put that into perspective. The next team in the American League, the Houston Astros, were at plus 43. How much of that is a byproduct of the Yankee schedule? Well, to me, when you're 44 and 16, you're 44 and 16. There's no fluking. The Yankees will be tested now, though, a bunch over the next two weeks. I'm glad. I'm sick of watching the Yankees play teams like the Tigers and the Cubs. Bring on the big boys as far as I'm concerned. Tampa for three. You get McClanahan. You get Kluber. Good series this week. Toronto at Toronto. Three games. Then you go to the Trop. Another three games. Then you have the Astros. Four games. That is a nice two-week stretch for the Yankees to kind of see, hey, guess what? We're a really, really good team. But how do we match up against the best of the best? And how do we match up against two teams that have had the Yankees number in big games over the last five, six years? The Astros have gotten the better of the Yankees when it's mattered the most. The Tampa Bay Rays have gotten the better of the Yankees when it has mattered the most. They're in cruise control in the AL East for now. Let's see if that is the case two weeks from now after they get through this mini gauntlet. Fun stretch of games. I want to see more Matt Carpenter. I can't get enough for the Yankee pitching, even on a day where Tyon is not great. How about Severino the other day? Strikeout after strikeout. Montgomery was terrific on Saturday. Listen, last year when we were doing this podcast, there was nothing but complaints and agony from the Yankee perspective. This year, man, it has been feet up, sunshine and lollipops. It's early. It's June. But 44 and 16 is absolutely outrageous. Now, I want to come in the New York Mets. What a road trip for the Mets. And I know some people are going to say, hold on a second, KJ. What a road trip for the Mets. They're going five and five on the road trip. Hold on a second. Do you know the history of the New York Mets? Do you know the history of the New York Mets when they go out to the West Coast, when they play the Dodgers, 
when they play quality teams, how many times have we seen seasons go to die? Not that this year was going to. Obviously, the Mets are a better team than you. But the fact that they can go without Scherzer, without DeGrom, not having Alonzo and Marte for a game or two, and put together a 5-5 five and five stretch, you sign for that, you take that, and you get out and dodge if you're a Mets fan. You got a terrific start on Sunday from Taiwan Walker, who to me clearly got better as the game went along on Sunday night. The stuff was good. Double-digit strikeouts. You love to see that. But to me, my big takeaway with this game is the decision that Buck Showalter made in the bottom half of the eighth inning where basically Buck told you, hey, guess what? We got an off day on Monday. I think it means a whole lot to this team that we go and put together a 500 trip. I am pushing Edwin Diaz right now. I am going to try and get two innings out of Edwin Diaz. Let's go. Let's get the save. Diaz was probably the best or close to the best I have ever seen him with the stuff and the swagger and the confidence that was on full display. For the inning and two-thirds, he goes and strikes out five guys, including Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon in the bottom half of the eighth inning. Listen, Mike Trout, I love Mike Trout as a player. How boring was that interview, by the way, with the ESPN broadcast crew? I mean, that was putting me to sleep. I mean, that was the, I, I'm sitting there watching the game. I, I'm complaining about my soreness. I'm like, can Mike give you something? I mean, holy smokes, until they got to the fantasy football, it was just a total bore. That's Mike Trout in a nutshell. Good guy, unbelievable baseball player. Not exactly broadcasting material, but I digress. Diaz was outrageous. So far, when I think about developments to this Met year, Alonzo playing great, no surprise there. The Met lineup being what it's been, I thought it'd be good. It's been better than advertised. But so far, Diaz is one of the most valuable New York fans. There's no getting around that. With this bullpen not being a strength, it could have blown up if Diaz was the combustible version that he's been over the last couple of years. Well, now, Diaz is locked down. And the Mets are going to need that version of Edwin Diaz to continue. If they want to win the division, and they want to win the pennant, and they want to win a World Series championship, they need Diaz to be that guy. And so far, he has been that guy. So, yes, resounding success for the New York Mets going 5-5 five and five on this road trip and taking two out of three from the Los Angeles Angels to Anaheim. How cowardly Syndergaard, by the way, not pitching. By the way, Syndergaard, I see him with the Cowboy hat at the Super Bowl. I see him putting up stupid pictures on Instagram with a surfboard. How about you go and pitch against the Mets, you coward? What a loser. By the way, two teams, only two, have 40 wins across Major League Baseball. They both happen to call the Big Apple, New York, New York, home. See? I told you you have something to feel good about. The New York Yankees and the New York Mets rolling as we hit the summer months. Good test this week. Mets with the Brewers, Yankees with the Rays, changing the schedule a little bit just for this week. We'll do a live Tuesday night. Those are going to be weekly moving forward. We got a little off schedule with the Rangers, but we'll get back to our Tuesday Spotify lives. And I'm going to see McCartney on Thursday. So we're going to do a podcast on Wednesday night. So a little uh, scheduling to-dos to get out of the gate. Voicemails are coming up. But next, the outstanding play-by-play voice of the New York Rangers. And I can't believe this is actually the first time I've ever had a conversation with this fine gentleman. He is unbelievable. We are so blessed in New York to have the play-by-play talent across our pro teams. This guy is a gold standard. The great Sam Rosen, the voice of the New York Rangers. To recap, a fun year, but a disappointing end against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's up next. Ooh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. 
Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. We're incredibly spoiled in the tri-state area. When I think about some of the guys and gals that are calling games for our local teams, it, it geeks me out. I can hear Mike Breen and Ian Eagle do basketball. I can hear Gary Cohen and Michael K do baseball. And I can listen to this guy talk Rangers all day, every day. In fact, I hear him on the radio when I'm driving to SNY for the second round of the playoffs. Sam Rosen, the voice of the New York Rangers. My man, you're like fine wine. You're getting better with age. How are you, sir? I'm great, except for what happened last night. I'm still recovering, but I've been in touch with Coach Gerard Gallant, and we're already looking forward to next season. I like the sound of that, Sam, and I think a lot of Ranger fans now are going to be like anxiously counting down the days until we can get going in September and October because this was just a ton of fun. I mean, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're way ahead of schedule. You're a Ranger guy. You bleed it. I love it. I can't get enough. Did you buy into this team from the minute you saw them from the opening get-go? Or when did it get to a point for you, Sam, doing the games where you said, this team's got something special going? I think I always sit back and, and take a look and see how the team develops, J.J. So maybe I would say give it a month. And a month in... When you see that they're winning games, they're playing well on the road, they're finding ways to win, they're winning close games, they're playing pretty well, they're, you know, they're playing entertaining hockey. So when you see all that happen, you sit back and you say, okay, this is pretty good, but, you know, will it last? So now it suddenly gets into November and we're past Thanksgiving and there are the Rangers right up at the top of the division and with a, a, a really good winning record, and they continue to play good hockey. Now you get into December, you get to Christmas, you're almost at the middle of the season, and they're still playing well. Now that convinces me, and I think it convinces most Ranger fans, this team's got a chance to have a good regular season. And as it unfolds, They continue to play well. They add to the team at the trade deadline. They win big games. Anytime they're challenged, they come up winners, and certain players are having fabulous seasons. Savannah is playing well. Uh, Adam Fox is following up the Norris Trophy season with a great season. And Chris Kreider is having the season of his life. And you see this, and you say, this team has got a chance to do good things. And you get to the play. Now they clinch the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. Well, what will happen? You don't know. Could they go out in the first round? Could they make a run? And as the, the playoffs unfolded, we saw that this is truly a good team with a bright future. Those kids came along. I've always said from day one, the Rangers will be a serious cup contender when those kids, Lafreniere, Kako, Heedel, uh, develop into players that are major contributors. They 
They contributed along the way. Each guy in his own way did something good during the playoffs. So there's a bright future out there. And there's that core of solid players, Jacob Truba. And you talk about young players, Keandre Miller. Fabulous season, his second season in the league. Super, he played super. Ryan Lindgren, one of the most underrated players you'll find. And on and on because the core is there, Zabanajad, Panarin. There, there are good things ahead for this team. I don't think there's any question. And Sam, being around the NHL like you for a long time, do you almost feel as if for a young team, in order to get to the top of the mountain, you almost in a way have to have a setback in a postseason series? I know you don't want that to be yeah. the case, but I think it's like a valuable learning experience. No, no player is going to say that today. Trust me, no coach is going to say that. But we've seen it with teams over the years where you have that loss in the postseason. Yeah. You figure out what your opponent was able to do. Uh, a lot of cup champions in prior years, you know, the Capitals for years, for yeah. years were having these terrible playoff <laughs> losses. Sure. But hey, all in all, Sam, they get 20 games of playoff experience. I feel like that is a hell of a building block to take yeah. in the next year. And not only 20 games of experience, JJ, but how about the five wins facing elimination? down 3-1 to the Penguins, down 3-2 to Carolina, going on the road and winning a game in Pittsburgh that they had to win, winning a game in Carolina that they had to win. And uh, uh, among those teams that you pointed to that learned from losing the Tampa Bay Lightning, they get swept by Columbus, they come back, they learn what it takes to win, they they put together back-to-back Stanley Cups and now they have a shot at the third straight Stanley Cup. So that's a team you always want to turn a negative into a positive. And what you say is the best way to do it. Learn from the losing experience. The winning was great in the first two rounds. They had a chance. They were up two games to none. They were ahead in game three. But the champs, who know how to win, came back and came back strong and won four Close games. All of those games, Rangers were in those games. Could have won game three. They had the lead. Game four was a close game, but Tampa was the better team in that game. Game five, the Rangers had the lead early. Tampa comes back and wins the game late. So all these games, very close. And the Rangers were, uh, I think, will take the good things out of that and learn from that and and understand what it takes to win, to, to take that next step. And that's, I think that's what the coach's point will be going into the summer and coming out of the summer when they come to training camp. Okay, so they're so good in the first two rounds in these elimination games. Pittsburgh series, incredible. Nobody could win in Carolina. They smoked the Hurricanes in game seven. Obviously, the Lightning are different because they have that sort of championship pedigree. Not that Pittsburgh doesn't have it, but Pittsburgh's a team on the decline. They're an older team. Tampa's still at their peak trying to be a dynasty. But what changed, in your opinion, Sam, in this series from what you saw in the first two games where the Rangers had a lot of success and the last four games where they couldn't find a way to win? Was there a big difference? I think, J.J., what Tampa did, there were a couple of things they did. They played the first two games. They, they played the entire series without Braden Point, one of their top players, arguably one of their top three players, Edmund, 
and Stamkos and Braden Point. Braden Point uh, helped them win when Stamkos was hurt. Point stepped up a couple of years ago and was the dominant player in the playoffs when they went to their first Stanley Cup. Um, they were playing 7D and 11 forwards, and the Rangers took advantage of that. They weren't, they weren't cohesive. They had that nine-day layoff that affected them. It affected Vasilevsky. I thought in the first game, he was really out of sorts. But by the end of game two and into game three, they were starting to get their game together. And in game three, John Cooper went, he put Riley Nash in the lineup. Doesn't play a lot. Fourth line player, five, six, seven, eight minutes. But it, it goes back to four lines. He can roll four lines and play six defensemen. I think it helped the cohesion of, of the Lightning. They then worked defensively with their three defensive pairs to shut down the Rangers. They closed down the middle of the ice, collapsed in front of the net, and the Rangers had all kinds of trouble getting to the net. Throughout those uh, last four games, it was really tough. The Rangers were basically five on five. They were one shot on goal and done, and the Lightning were heading the other way. So I think that changed the overall defensive structure and the Lightning five on five were the better team. They're so strong defensively, and they have the offense in transition where they can score the goals they need to win. Of course, they have a great goaltender. Okay. You know I'm a big baseball fan. So the 2017 Yankees and this Ranger team, I see a lot of parallels. They kind of came out of nowhere. They gave the fans a couple weeks to have a ton, a ton of fun. And I remember going into 2018, I'm like, all right, the Yankees, they were just in the ALCS. They lost in game seven. They're going to get to the World Series. They're going to win it this year. That Yankee team, we've seen it now. They're playing great ball right now, Sam. But like we've seen, it's hard. It's not easy to just snap your finger and think the following year you're going to get to and win a championship. So this Ranger team's good. Igor's a stud in that. They got firepower. It's the... Sam, you've been doing the Rangers forever. Is this the best power play from the Rangers you've seen since the days of 93-94? Yeah, I I would say pretty good, though. A couple of these seasons when Yager was there. Yager, yes. The uh, Yager had uh, that first year when Peter Pruka was there as a rookie, scored 30 goals, 15 on the power play. Yager scored on the power play. Um, That was was a pretty good... uh, power play team. This is one of the best. Uh, They move the puck so well, and they have the really good component parts. You have uh, Kreider, who led the league with 26 power play goals, strong enough to go in front, play against uh, the big defensemen, get the tips, get the rebounds, and occasionally shoot the puck. Zibanejad with a big shot, Panarin with a a great passer, when he shoots, he's very dangerous. They had Strom as a playmaker, uh, and and of course they had Adam Fox who controlled it all and led all defensemen and assists and uh, power play uh, points as a D man. They had great component parts, and that power play was really dangerous. Now in the playoffs, I think you can check the stats: fewer 
power plays. They had the best power play, but they didn't get enough of them because that's the way the refs are, uh, tend to call it. As you go later and later in the playoffs, it's let the guys play, let the players decide. So, yeah, you'll get one or two power plays, and the Rangers did the last couple of games, and they scored one power. They'd go one for two or one for one. So they they were dangerous on the power play, but they had to find a way to come through five on five, and they, they weren't able to do it against a very good defensive team. Now, you mentioned Igor. I think that's the biggest factor of all. I think most of the players said it in their post-game and pre-game interviews. Igor was the team's best player all year long. And he was awesome in this series right? too, Sam. I oh, mean, even game could... six, you know, that third period, I felt like the Rangers should have been down four or five goals for goodness sakes. Totally. Totally. He was, he kept them in with fantastic saves. And I think everybody, John Cooper said it in his post-game news conference after the game last night. It was his first exposure to seeing Igor play a lot. I mean, he'd seen him here and there and, and, and during this regular season. But here under pressure of the playoffs, Igor was the equal of Vasilevsky. I mean, they, they just matched each other in great save after great save. And Vasilevsky is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. And as Igor said, he, he feels Vasilevsky's the best in the world. So... Igor showed very, very well his first real exposure to NHL playoff pressure, and he stood up. And Sam, think about it. Game three and game four, he's getting pulled in the Pittsburgh series. So we saw him at rock bottom. I mean, there was a foolish range of fans saying they didn't want him in that game five. I'm like, get out of here with that nonsense. The guy carried you all year. I think in many ways, seeing him, Sam, respond from that, shows me what he's got inside of him because he yeah. was beaten down and he was able to rally and really put together unbelievable stretches for this team. I, I totally agree with you. And the other thing is that the player, the players believed in him. They didn't waver one iota. You know, people would ask, well, what do you think? Uh, you think Igor, what do you think about Igor's chances to bounce back? They didn't hesitate. They said, this guy is an even keel. He's strong internally. He will bounce back, and he did. And you you saw it in every game, in every elimination game. This guy was fabulous. And again, he was fabulous last night. That was a two-to-one game where the, the Lightning had the big edge in territory. They had the edge in shots and, and uh, attempted shots and but it was Igor that gave the Rangers a chance. They were there. They were in the game. They tied the game 1-1. If, you know, if they had gotten rolling instead of the quick answer by, by the Lightning, maybe something lucky happens and the Rangers somewhat, somehow steal the game. But Igor was there, uh, proved to be a winner all season long, stole games with his brilliant play, and that's what you need from your number one goaltender. They have the goaltender. They have the firepower. They have the head coach who was fantastic all year. They have what? defense too, JJ. And the defense. Good Can't defense. forget about a guy like Fox and Truba and Miller across the board. Totally agree. And Schneider is coming too. Schneider got 45 games of regular season and 20 games of playoffs. He's 20 years old. He won't be 21 till September. 
This is a young up and coming. He could be a stud defenseman. He's six two. He's two hundred pounds, and he skates great. He's got a good shot. He's got a big upside. Okay, if there's something you add to this team, though, not even a player, Sam. If there's one ingredient that you would want to see the Rangers address to take that next step, what would it be? Well, I think they're going to have to make a couple of big decisions this offseason based on salary cap. They have to decide who's going to be the number two center. They have Mika as the number one. Mika and Kreider are a great combination. What do you do with with Ryan Strome? Is he the number going to be the number two center? Do you sign him to a long-term contract? He's going to want some big money. Or do you go and sign the guy you brought in in a trade uh, in Andrew Kopp? A little more size, good versatility that the coach likes, can play him on the wing, can play him at center. And do you believe that Philip Heedle can be that number two center? Can he be the guy? He's got good size got great skills. Will he be ready? At times he showed it in the playoffs. Will he be ready to make that step up? I think they need to improve the number two center position. If they can do that and have Mika as one and whoever they decide is number two as one A, um, then, then I think they've got, they'll have the depth because they've got some good players uh, that they brought in. Vetrano, they have to decide on Vetrano, on Tyler Mott. But these are good players, and there are other young players. We we didn't talk about Capo Caco. That's somebody who's got a, a bright future. He's 21 years old. And what happened there, Sam, yesterday? That kid one was so good. Are we thinking that he broke a rule there? Is that possible? I, I, I don't know that. I'm not sure about that, JJ. I, I, you know, it's too soon to address with a coach. It's, it's something that I think we'll find out. But uh, youngster, again, 21 years old, um, not not quite ready for prime time yet. Getting there, but not quite ready yet. And again, we want, with these youngsters who were picked so high, we want immediate gratification, immediate success. Takes a little time. Lafreniere is improving, and Kako is improving, and Heedle's improving. Now, if they can take a big step forward after what they did in the playoffs and learning in this season, that could be a, a major factor in the Rangers' success next season. You know, Sam, I was so bummed when I'd have to, like, cut it close where thinking I could get from my apartment in Brooklyn to SOI Studios. You know, I live close. Don't get me wrong. I'm there. But sometimes, you know, makeup now. I do my own makeup. I'm getting ready. I got to make sure the suit looks good that I'm in the car in between periods. And when I got you in the car for the, the Carolina series, I like to want to get out of the car. I'm like, <laughs> I got Sam in the car right now. I'm here and it's a power play goal. I can't commend you enough for making that transition. And I know you've done radio in the past, but to do TV all year and then to basically just go in there flying blind, like, <laughs> dude, I mean, that, that's as good as it gets. Is that a tough transition for you, going from TV and then making the radio transition? The first couple of games it was because there's that tendency to uh, on TV to sit back, let the pictures show, and follow the pictures. Make sure you're coordinated with the pictures. But I once had a boss at, uh, at, the, at the network, Doug Moss, 
was the president of MSG Network going back several years. And he always said, I don't want to hear quiet time on the radio. If I, if I hear 10 seconds of dead air, I can sell that. So yeah, you have to remember you're on the radio, keep talking, keep describing. And it was a little, it, it was an adjustment, but it was also going back to my roots in broadcasting. And it's, it's fun. After a while, once you, once you find that rhythm, the rhythm and the delivery of what you need to do and how you need to describe it. And remember that you don't have to describe every little thing because uh, people aren't seeing it. Make sure you hit the big notes. Make sure you the big passes, the big plays, the big hits. Describe those things so people can visualize what's happening on the ice. You know, Sam, you called 1994, moment of jubilation, one of the all-time great New York calls. But I'm a big Miami Dolphin fan. I don't know if you remember this game. You did a game for Fox. Aaron Rodgers is pulling out like the Houdini fake spike. So the Dolphins were getting shades of Dan Marino. You're at like the peak of like their excitement level. And I'm like, I'm used to Sam getting excited about my teams. I don't like this Sam Rosa getting excited for one of my teams going right down the gutter. I'm not used to this. <laughs> I did do the game in Miami where they had two lightning delays. We went on. I remember that one too. Yes, I knew against the Titans. I know that was where you need a couple of expressos to get through the broadcast. (laughs) I mean, and I loved you doing the football, but the hockey. Listen, when we think Ranger hockey, we think Sam Rosen, you with JD. Now all these years with Joe Micheletti, and we appreciate that. We can't thank you enough. Final one: if there is. One thing that I love to see in sports, it's like the passing of the torch and like that seamless passing of the torch, you know, like to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, to go to (laughs) Peyton Manning, to Andrew Luck. (laughs) How did the Rangers go from Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shesterkin? I mean, Sam, like I think about that and, and I don't think people realize how difficult that is at those prime positions to get it right. Like, uh, we'll see how Igor's career pans out. I think they got their guy for the next decade, though. I'd bet on it. You go back to Mike Richter and John Van Beesburg. John Van Beesburg passed it to Mike Richter. Mike Richter, there was a little bit of a break. Then Henrik Lundqvist came in for 15 years. It's good luck. You have to be lucky. Um, you have to believe that whoever scouted uh, Igor Shesterkin saw something that was special. And then I will say this, and I know he, uh, he'll he shy away and he'll laugh, but Benoit Lair, the coaching guru who coached Henrik Lundqvist for 15 years and coached all of the backups who've had success and Cam Talbot and Auntie Ranta and, and uh, Alexander Georgiev even now, but he has worked with and helped Igor adapt to American life. Uh, New York Rangers hockey, being in New York and being in the spotlight. So he deserves a lot of credit for the work he does. He's very, very good, and he's not overbearing, and the players love him, and they learn from him, and it makes them appreciate the position, which is the toughest position in hockey. And the Rangers have been very, very fortunate. And if Igor Shesterkin stays healthy, We've got a guy for probably the next 10 years. 
Sam, I can't thank you enough for the time. A wonderful, fabulous year. And next year, hopefully we're having a conversation, getting ready for an even deeper run in the postseason. This is fun, but let's make that happen, okay? We'll do it. We'll preview the year, and then we'll finish it off. I love it. I love it. You're welcome anytime. (laughs) And I know the Ranger fan loves hearing your voice. So thank you for a few minutes, okay? Thank you, JJ. Thanks for having me on. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, there are certain moments, and this probably sounds corny, and you guys probably hear this a lot from me, where I, like, pinch myself, and I'm like, this is really fucking cool. Having Sam Rosen on right after the Rangers season comes to a close, that was pretty damn cool. And how good is Sam? I mean, Sam, like, the energy, the knowledge, and just, like, the, the command of his voice, he's the best. He's the absolute best. You're a Ranger fan, you're blessed. You're blessed that you've had that man calling you games for as long as I can remember. I mean, I... My lifetime, I, I can't think of anybody else doing the Rangers. Like, I grew up with him and John Davidson. Now, for years, it's been him and Joe Micheletti. We are very lucky to have Sam Rosen doing the New York Rangers. All right, voicemail time. We'll be doing a lot more of these. Remember, the lives are only going to be on Tuesday. And if you've been kind of left out of the voicemail shuffle, I apologize. We've been doing a lot of live shows. But 917-382-1151. Steph, let's hit him, baby. What's going on, John? This is us, Stuart from Brooklyn. Uh, regarding with the, uh, Rangers, you know, that was three tough games that they lost in the third period. Uh, but the good news is, is, is that, uh, Drury has a clear line of sight of what the team and most importantly of what they need to get them to the uh, next le- level. Uh, our window is just opening and I can see us being us, uh, cup contenders for years to come. We push the reigning champs against the ropes. But what I was but what they did was is they allowed a lot of shots and they got outshot a lot. And we saw that during the regular season. So I think that's what they have to look to improve on for next year. But John, what really puts a smile on my face was that uh, John Cooper, uh who's very good friends with Gallant, he says that he likes the team's competitiveness and they have a great future. And he said, someday you'll be sitting in that bench. And the other thing, uh, John, is is that I noticed is that during the regular season, uh, when the Rangers played the Lightning, the commentators, I noticed when when we played them, they 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 kept saying is how the Rangers reminded them so much of Tampa, and and uh, even. How the deadline acquisitions remind them of of what of what Tampa does, and Jeff Gordon is is the reason we have the roster we have. You know, JD was a legend of guiding us in the right direction, and any success that team that this team has in in the in the next decade is due to Gordon, and I hope it it, it is uh, recognized when it happens. Stuart, a lot to chew on there. First of all, the respect from John Cooper, I think, is a great sign for the Rangers moving forward. And I wholeheartedly agree. They are set up for the future. Now, does it guarantee anything? No, of course not. But the fact that they have explosive playmaking talent, goal scorers, a quality power play, top-notch defensemen that Sam Rosen was all over, might I add, and Shesterkin and that, that's encouraging. Now, Sammy told you, that second-line center, what you're going to do with Strom, do you go and get somebody to fill that position? That is something that needs to be worked out. But, hey, last year, the Rangers took a lot of heat for making changes within the front office. They did not take a lot of heat for firing the head coach. Gerard Gallant was basically a move that was universally celebrated throughout the league. 
The prior front office does deserve credit for a lot of the players that were brought in here. I agree with that. But this front office did a hell of a job of taking this team and getting them to the next level. Now, the question is, can they find a way to get them over the hump to win your first Stanley Cup since 1994? Who's next? Hey, John. It's Jake from Charlotte calling you before uh, the Mets game here on Sunday. Um, starting to get a little bit too close for comfort in the NL East. Um, the Braves just keep winning. Uh, they won their 11th straight game today. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if the Mets have enough to hold them off. Um, you know, they're still have injured, uh, injuries to their pitching staff. Um, hopefully Scherzer and DeGrom come back ASAP. Um, but the Mets just have to find a way to hold off the Braves as much as they can. And, um, yeah, because I don't really want to see a repeat of last year where the Mets were in first place for so many months and then just collapsed during the summer and, um, just lost their way. So hopefully, uh, Buckshaw Walter can get this team, uh, through the summer and still in first place. Um, but I don't know. The Braves are looking pretty good and, um, starting to get a little sweaty here <laughs> with the Mets. Um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, they can hold them off. I understand the concern about the Atlanta Braves, Jake. I do. They're the world champs. They're playing the best baseball of the year. I knew they were going to be heard from this year. The Mets are going to have to prove that they can go and beat the Braves. I get that. Do I think we're going to have a repeat of what happened a year ago? No, I think this Mets team is too resilient. Thank you. So that here on this road trip, the lineup is far more complete. And remember, they do not have DeGrom and they do not have Scherzer. Like those are two monster, monster arms that you are going to be getting back over the next couple of weeks. There are going to be a lot of big games between now and then with the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. I think the Braves will end up being a playoff team. I think the Braves will be heard from this year. But I do ultimately believe, still, this is the Mets divisionalist. It's the Mets divisionalist. I think they're better. I think they're more complete than the Atlanta Braves. They'll have to prove it in the head-to-head matchups. Who's next? JJ, just in Miami, I, I tried to call earlier, but the reception wasn't great. Look, a great run for the Rangers. Uh, it, it's sad it's over. Kind of what the saddest part is, is, is as a fan, you kind of only get one run like this when you get a team, right? I mean, the 2017 Yankees have been talked about ad nauseum on there. You kind of talk about the 93 Yankees the same way. You know, the 92 Knicks, back in the day, the 84 Giants. The first time that a team with a core makes a run. It's like it's not like anything else in sports because you know you're probably not going to win it. But you also know that when you get eliminated, there's a brighter future ahead. Now, you don't know if you're ever going to capitalize on that and get a title out of it. Giants in the 80s were fortunate to do so. This Yankee team is still undetermined. You could say the 93 Yankees in many ways set the table for the, those late 90s teams and Obviously, the 92 Knicks came so close, but really, but never got over the hump. But we don't know what will happen with this Rangers team. I mean, I mean, some of the times these teams of the future pan out right away. I mean, I remember the Blackhawks in 09 made it to the conference finals, and the next year broke through. Sometimes it takes a long time. The Capitals and the Nationals had really good teams, and it took them almost like a decade to break through. But as a fan, I think what's sometimes the hardest is, you know next year when you're rooting for this Ranger team, you're not going to go into the playoffs with the same sort of anything is gravy. You're going to want to win the Stanley Cup, and wins aren't the same. You get now when you win rounds of playoffs after that first run, 
that it's almost a relief. Like I remember in 93 with the Knicks, it's like they got through that those first couple rounds and when they held serve against the Bulls, you're just sort of relieved because you just want that title so bad. And, you know, that's kind of the, in a way the depressing part next year with the Rangers is they could go win the division. And when we get to the playoffs next year, it's not going to be the same sort of exhilarating feeling when they get out of the first round or get out of the second round. Kind of like the Yankees have had ever since 2017. I mean, I hope this team breaks through. Uh, you know, if they do, we'll, we'll look at this team very differently. Um, but certainly, look, it was a good run. and You feel better about it than you did in 2015. And hopefully, they, they at some point, they, they can hoist the Stanley Cup. Um, but we certainly will never have that sort of carefree feeling rooting for the Rangers in the next four or five years as we have with this team. Talk to you later, man. Justin, that's an outstanding observation. But that's the going rate of doing business. You nailed it with the Yankees over the last couple of years. Like 2017 was so much fun. It was like unexpected, feel good ride. But you knew the following year, hey, guess what? The expectations are going to be ratcheted up to a whole nother level. It's kind of a similar deal for the New York Rangers. That's the way it goes. You either handle that, you acknowledge that, you move past that, or you're going to have moments in May and June that frustrate you to no end. What's that line? Pressure is a privilege? Well, it's a privilege and a curse in many ways because now the freebies are over. That innocent climb, the Rangers are done with that innocent climb, just like the Yankees were done with that innocent climb right after 2017. And you don't get many years like that. That's why when those years come around, they're really, really enjoyable. 93, I don't like that example because the Yankees, they were in it in August, but they never ended up getting to the playoffs. 95 was far more about Mattingly and that team and that group. Like, you didn't see a lot of the young core. Like, yes, Mariano was a part of it. Yes, Andy Pitt was a part of it. Bernie Williams was a part of it. But that, 93, that 95 team against Seattle, a lot of the storyline was front and center about Donnie Baseball finally making the playoffs. This Ranger team really didn't have that. That's why I like that comparison to the 2017 Yankees a lot more because teams with proud history, Teams that expect to win. Teams that maybe weren't in the playoffs the last couple of years and then they get in, unexpectedly, boom, 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 and they make things happen. That's why I see that parallel. But yeah, no freebies next year for the Rangers, for sure. All right, last but not least, let's hear it. It's Anthony and Syosset. Listen, when things are going bad, it's much easier. With the Yankees, of course, it's much easier to call your your podcast, your voicemail, uh, and leave a spirited, passionate message about what I'm frustrated about and how I think we can change it. But the way that this Yankee season is going, I have, dude, I have nothing to complain about. You know, there's situational hitting. They're still hitting home runs. They're, they're, you know, hit and run. They're stealing bases. They're moving runners over. They're playing defense. They're preventing runs. Starting pitching's great. The bullpen's great. You know, the manager is actually managing for a change. So I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see, you know, you want to pay tribute now to Nestor and you want to pay tribute to Carpenter by growing the mustache. Now, as you know, I mean, I have a full beard. I could shave it, you know, right now and I could have the mustache, but I think you need to do it. You know, especially with this look that you have going for you on the SNY and the guy goes sports night, you have this flashy Travolta-esque 77, 78 Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, you know, style that you're doing on, on TV. I think the mustache would suit you well. So I say do it. I say start today. This is what, the 12th of June. And I think by 4th of July weekend, I don't know if you have any plans, but by 4th of July weekend, whatever 4th of July party, I'd go to bring the fireworks with the stash. 
I think you have to do it. And I think once you start doing it, you should start tracking the Yankees record. I mean, they're not losing anyway, but it's something fun you could add to the show. Um, also, I, I had Celtics the other night, and that was terrible. I, I, I think I'm just going to bet whoever lost the previous game. That's the way the NBA has been going. Uh, take care. Thank you. Enjoy. Anthony and Sayasid, very giddy about his baseball team. I think I'm very giddy about my baseball team. I think all Yankee and Mets fans right now are feeling pretty giddy about their team. I mean, the Yankees have had everything go right. The pitching's been stupendous. You find guys like Carpenter, and they're coming through, hitting home runs, driving in runs, playing out of their freaking minds. Judge betting on himself and is having the season of his life. As far as me with the mustache, I tweeted this. It would be a great way to pay homage to my boy, Nesta Cortez, and to my new dude, Matt Carpenter, who I absolutely love and I can't get enough. Here's the issue. Television, number one. Number two, how it's going to look. Number three, what is the fiance's reaction going to be? So I have a lot of moving parts there. Here's what I'm thinking. I don't think we get involved now during the regular season. Right now, the Yankees, they're they're on autopilot. Maybe that'll change in two weeks, but for the most part, they've been on autopilot. I think come September going into October is the time that we do it. And if Nestor is still rocking the stash by then, I have to assume that he will be. If Matt Carpenter is still there and he's rocking the stash, I have to assume he will be. That is when I get on board starting in September, and that way come October. You know, like NHL players have the full beard. We're not going to do that. The Yankees don't grow beards. That's not their thing. I'll have the playoff stash going. And you think it's going to be Travolta in the 70s? I think it's going to be even worse than that. I think it's going to be like Johnny Damon when he tried to grow one in 2006, which was like an out-and-out disaster, and it's going to look awful. But I'm all for the solidarity, said. So maybe October will be the month of the stash. Stay tuned. That's all I'm going to say. Stay tuned. Voicemails were terrific. Get them in for Thursday, 917-382-1151. It is trivia time now. We'll take a quick break, and we'll see what Larry in Florida has in store. Trivia time. Okay, Larry, let's go. I I don't know what to expect from you. I'm a little nervous, but please, the floor is yours. JJ, Larry in Florida, two trivia tonight. Name the four guys in major Major League history that have at least 50 leadoff homers. The second one is, since 2018, name the top two RBI guys. I'm out. Excellent. Excellent, excellent questions from Larry. All right, I am going to do the leadoff homers first and foremost. Four guys in Major League history with 50-plus leadoff homers. Number one, Stefan, Ricky Henderson. One down, three to go. The second one, one of my favorite New York Yankees, Alfonso Soriano. Two down, two to go. Uh, I'm pretty sure about this one. Not positive, but I'm going to throw his name out there anyway. The captain, number two, Derek Jeter. You know, Jeter hitting the leadoff spot a bunch, but to have the leadoff homers, maybe got a little cute there. Maybe, maybe got a little cute there. So two down, two to go. 50 leadoff homers, and there's four guys in Major League history to do it. Got to think about prolific leadoff hitters. I'm going to give you another one, Steph. I'm not positive about this guy, but I'm going to throw him in there. Kenny Lofton. All right, I'm going to ask Stefan. 
Give me one more hint here. These last two guys, this is a layup. They play for the same franchise. Same franchise? Oh, man. Same franchise. Active players or no? One is active, one is retired. Layup, too. One is active, one is retired. Johnny Damon? I was thinking Damon, Mookie Betts, didn't work. Okay, then. Same franchise. One active, one retired. Hmm. Hmm. You got to think of guys who lead off and hit a ton of home runs. One active, one retired. All right, here's a guess, Steph. Andrew McCutcheon. All right, then. Not good. Not good at all. All right, I'm throwing out two more names, and then I'm giving up because I I, I don't know where the hell to go with this. Jose Altuve? Jeez, I I was feeling good about this. I actually thought I was going to get all four. When you say Altuve, you're so close. You're so close. Uh, Okay, if I'm so close, George Springer? Okay. That's your active player. And then your retired player. Now, when you say retired player, are we talking Astro or are we talking Blue Jay? Retired player, what franchise? I'm going to ask. Correct. Correct. Astro. Okay. Craig Biggio. It took us long enough. I need a little phone a friend help, but we'll take it, Stefan. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Now, question two from Larry. 2018 or since 2018, who are the two top RBI guys in all of baseball? Since 2018, two top RBI guys, all baseball. So you got to think about dudes who play. You also got to think about dudes who drive at a ton of runs. Jose Abreu. That's one. 2020 MVP. The other. I have like two guesses here. It's a matter of which one I feel more confident in. RBI guy. I'm going to say Paul Goldschmidt. not Goldie. Okay. It's not Goldie. My next guess, J.D. Martinez. Mm. Mm. Steph, American or National League player? National League player. National League player. Okay. Those are my two guesses. So that actually makes me feel better that both of those were incorrect. Freddie Freeman. Not Freddie. Wow, okay. RBI guys since 2018. Manny Machado? 
I give up. Who the hell is it? Nola Arenado. Right church, wrong pew. To quote our buddy Francesa, right church, wrong pew. Damn, damn. Good effort. All in all, I'm I'm okay with the trivia performance today. I kind of feel the way I did walking off a lot of that golf course, you know? Still needs work, but step in the right direction. All right, Jeff Bunny, the floor is yours. On Monday, we have game five of the NBA Finals. The Celtics and the Warriors are knotted up to two apiece. You going back to the well, my friend? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picture that he's put tomorrow, Monday the 13th. As NBA game six, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors laying the four points over the Boston Celtics. And Curry's just been on fire there. And uh, since the Warriors are home, I'm going to go with the flow. So we're going to go with the Warriors minus the four. Let's see if we're on a family play. Okay, and everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Money. Full disclosure. You're not getting my NBA Finals pick on this podcast. I love you all, New York, New York. But if you want to know who I'm on for the NBA Finals, download the Ringer Gambling Show. It is up already. Joe House, Raheem Palmer, yours truly. And you'll find out what side I am on for game number five. Stay tuned for that. What a fun show. Fabulous work by Stefan. Tuesday, download Spotify Live. We'll be on after the Yankee Ray game, after the Mets and the Brewers. We'll do a little uh, fireside chat. Wednesday pod. Day early this week because I'm going to see Paul McCartney. So thankfully, the uh, the powers that be over at Spotify are allowing me to tweak things for a day. So we will not have a Thursday pod this week. We will have a Wednesday night pod. And it's baseball season in full swing now that the Rangers say goodbye. And maybe Donovan Mitchell watches on. Maybe that is going to be the next story that captivates us here in New York in addition to our outstanding baseball teams. We can only help. Enjoy your Monday. JJ signing off. Be good, everybody.